over the last probably 10 or so years, Julie knows that I've been, you know, very interested in my family's history. And I got a book about that thick, literally about that thick, of Davises from this country going back into the late 1700s. So cool. And I'm interested in the Davis family name and its heritage, and I want to pass that information on to my children. The thing is that when I go back through the history, not everything is real rosy. All the way up to my years. See, the, the Davis name I wear very proudly, and Julie knows it. <laughs> and we're athletic people. We're very stubborn and convicted people for whatever reasons, good or bad. But all that I, I say because I'm happy to be a Davis. I really am. But you know, there's no name greater, right, under heaven than the name that belongs to our Savior. There is no greater name, brethren, that, that we can wear than to wear the name of Christ on us. And however proud you may be of your own family, for all the things that you can say, well, my great-grandfather was the President of the United States, or you can say that my grandma, she invented the oven, or whatever it is, you know. <laughs> you know, whatever the thing was. I mean, you can be so proud about these things. There's nothing that can compare to our Savior. We're told in the book of Proverbs that a good name is better than riches and gold. And even Solomon said that in Ecclesiastes to that effect. And so when we're talking about a name that we have, there is no name better than the name of Jesus Christ. And it is because of His name that when we read a passage like 1 Peter chapter 4, and go on, in not, not just to verse 16, but all the way to verse 19. And we read of what Christians were going through in the first century. I want you to know that while things may not be at that level where we're at right now in 2011. Just an opinion. But unless we get things straightened out and give our lives back to the Lord as a nation. Which we've never really truly uh, done in any significant amount of time as a nation. But when we do that, God blesses us. He gives us great amounts of blessings. In fact, when we talk about the things that we have as Christians, we're told in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 14 something that is very crucial to our faith. And it has everything to do with the fact that we wear the name of Christ as a beautiful robe. I want you to look at that, uh, that text in 1 Peter chapter 4. It says here, I'm going to begin in verse 12 and, and read through the, the scripture reading this morning. It says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is, in, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice. Rejoice to the extent that you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he's glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glory in God in this matter. 
For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? If the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let all who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. So when you look at our faithful creator and what he has done for us, when we wear the name of Jesus Christ, we have everything. I remember it was about two or three weeks ago. I don't even remember the sermon already as far as what the overall message was. But I do remember I made a point and someone passionately responded here. I said that morning, if you have Jesus, you have everything. And really that's true. There are a whole lot of people who have a lot of wealth, great status as far as the society is concerned. They have all things going for them except for one thing, Jesus Christ. They've not put on Christ in obedience to that gospel call. They've not done so. And they can have everything under the sun, but they don't have the Son of God. And if you don't have the Son of God, you may think you have everything, but really you have absolutely nothing. What you have is a vapor of a life because you don't wear His name. But when you put on Christ, you have every single blessing under the sun. In fact, we're told in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, and we're told in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, that we have all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. In Christ. And we're told that we have all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything that we have belongs to us because we are children of God. If we get to the point, and I think it's because we live with such affluence in this country, that sometimes our vantage point of what we have or don't have is very skewed. But when we get to the point where we look at life and we see that, oh, I don't have this and I don't have that. I don't get to do this. I don't, I don't have the job hours that he or she has. I don't have the, the recreation he or she has with the job. I don't have the salary that he or she has. Whatever. The grass is always green on the other side, in other words. When we get to that point, we miss the point. We miss the point that we have everything, period. And there are brothers and sisters in Christ who have absolutely a fraction of what most of us have here. A tiny fraction. And when you look at them, you wonder, how wealthy are you? And they respond, the wealthiest in the world. But they speak not of material things. Because they have Christ. They believe that they are, in fact, possessors of all things. And that's what God teaches us in Scripture. That we possess all things. Now, brethren, if you get to the point that you have every single thing, and it's given to you by the grace of God, in other words, you don't deserve this. You don't deserve to stand before God, except through the blood of Jesus Christ. You don't deserve to even call upon His name, except through... His son, you don't deserve anything. What we deserve, if anything, is his condemnation. That's what we deserve. That's why we have a word called mercy, right? 
because it's not what we deserve and we're given pardon. And so when we get to this point that we have everything, it should transform the way you think, the way you talk, the way you feel in your heart, the way you react to those who are lost in their sins, the way you react to your brethren, those who are weak and stumbling all over the place, those who are lofty in their own eyes. Because you have all things, you know how to behave before them because God gives you all things. He equips you with all things. And He transforms your heart to behave in this regard. And here's the catch then. If we can know that we possess all things, then when trials come our way, and Jimmy made this point in our study this uh, yesterday morning at the men's breakfast study. When we know we have all things, we can go through the trials. And his point was, right now we've got a lot of them. From a physical standpoint, of course, we're not even talking about the spiritual things, but from a physical standpoint, we have brethren who are passing away or loved ones among brethren who are passing away. That's just hard. You see, the mind says, when we open up God's Word, and this is what I teach, right? We want to dart to the finish line. We want to get to be with our Lord. But the flesh says, wait a second. I love my wife, I love my husband, I love my children, I love my siblings, I love my brothers and sisters in Christ. Can I have one more day? And one more day. And so on and so forth. We do that because of the flesh. And so as a result, here we have, like Don this morning, praying. With great emotion for his brethren. And I know we also pray for their family members, their spouses. We think of what they're going through as they may be losing a spouse or losing a child or losing a parent. Someone that they love so dearly. The thing is, we can endure all things. You see, in the first century, what they were faced with as first century Christians at this time was persecution because of the name of Christ. But I believe that principle endures with all afflictions. For instance, this morning, if you were in the auditorium class, we started out in 1 Samuel, right? And, and one of the things was, here is someone, as a wife, who has no children. And here's a man with another wife, and she's bearing all kinds of children. And the one that's bearing all kinds of children is taunting the one without any. And that's not for the cause of Christ. But I'll tell you what, she was still suffering. She was still afflicted. As Christians that go through various trials of life, God makes it clear. We can endure all things. You see, our mind mentally and academically, we go through our Bible studies, we know that with God all things are possible. But somehow, we may forget that when we're in the midst of a trial, when it's personally affecting Mitch Davis. And when we lose sight of Jesus Christ, we start saying, woe is me. Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to my family? Why now at this time in my life with other things going on? Why couldn't it have been a more convenient time? Well, we already know mentally and objectively when we're outside of that situation, there is no convenient time. We know that. And trials happen to every one of us. But when we name Christ, 
as our Lord and our Savior, and we put Him on, if you will, and we genuinely remember that we have all things because we're blessed by His name, blessed through His name, and because of His name, we can endure all things. That's what Peter is saying with all the trials and afflictions of the first century Christian, and that's exactly what we can expect. You see, brethren, but I don't want it just to be when you come in and hear this sermon that you're thinking, oh, mentally I get it, and walk out and never really get it. Because if that's the case, you cannot handle the trials that we're being faced with. Can't deal with it. Can't deal with it as teenagers, let alone as adults. It's hard. But when you name Christ and you are confident and assured of that salvation that He gives to you and thus you have everything, you can endure all things. You can expect if you stand for the Lord, and this is happening more and more and more now because of those who wear the name of Christ to be reviled and hated and persecuted when you proudly wear that name. You see, when you go back to the text here, in 1 Peter chapter 4, I want you to focus on one one thing that's going to stand out. I want you to see what's being said in light of what we're talking about here, because that's going to affect this last point that we're going to get to. He says here in verse 14, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, because you're wearing that name, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and God rests upon you. Can you imagine that? Your reproach for the name of Christ. Because of that name, you can go through all things. I want you to go back and look at through Scripture. Like, for instance, in Hebrews chapter 11. Remember all the examples of those who live by faith? And he goes on and on, gives various later examples. And then finally, when you go through verses 35 through 40, he finishes off with even more. Look at some of the things that our forefathers went through. Standing up for God whether it's under the Old Covenant, or as we might even look at some of these Old Testament illustrations and fast forward through the New Testament times and even modern times throughout the world. He says in verse 35, women received their dead raised to life again. I can go back to Elijah and Elisha during those days when people were being raised from the dead. But others were tortured not accepting deliverance. They didn't want the deliverance. You know why? Because he says that they might obtain a better resurrection. Let me die now because I know I'll be raised again. That's something that they had in that confidence in God in the Old Covenant. Still, others had the trial of mockings and scourgings. Yes, and of chains and imprisonment. There are those today that, you know, when I said this once before and I'll say it again. When the world looks at people who profess Christ, they're not going, oh, you're Baptist, you're not a Christian, you're Methodist, you're not... Church Christ, you're Christians. The world doesn't do that, right? The world says, you guys who name yourselves as Christians, you're imprisoned. And there are people who, because of the name of Christ, right now in other parts of the world, we go to the Middle East with Muslim-run countries, Islamic nations, if you will, or... Communist countries like China, like North Korea, where people are being killed today or imprisoned and tortured today, 2011, 
because they let others know when they put the name, whether we disagree with them about their their soul in their standing before God. They wear the name of Christ. The world says, all right, you're on our list, our blacklist. Here are individuals that are being listed here as of having obtained a good testimony through faith. Even though they did not receive that promise as of yet. God provided something better even for us. as Jesus Christ. And because of Jesus Christ, we can endure all things. And that's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, He's not going to let us go through various trials or temptations without giving us that way of escape. We can endure all things. We can. When our mind is set on Him. And that's a wonderful good news that God wanted us to send forth in this world. And here's the kick. Here's where everything comes together that is found here in, in this overall passage that Peter is writing to the saints in this letter. That because we can endure all things, we go about living in such a manner that we glorify God in all things. You can walk out this building and please for, for, for some period of time, if not for the rest of your life, don't think... When's lunch? What am I going to eat? And all that kind of stuff. Because we know we, we need to eat at some point. <laughs> but man, wouldn't it be great that you walk out this building and when you see people in the world, you let them know how great it was to worship a God who gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. We glorify His name. We magnify the name of our God and His Son. That's what happens when we proudly wear the name of Christ. And as Honored as Mitch Davis is, regardless of all the bad things that I could remember through uh, learning of my family history. Listen, if we want to go through where Christ came from, was this great, 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 grandma a harlot? And then his great, great, great grandfather, a murderer and an adulterer. We go on with other things, the lineage of our of our Christ. But he wore it perfectly. And no one can ever say that. I love my seven greats, Morgan Thomas Davis. And my Ephraim Welch Davis and Ephraim Roy Davis and Roy Davis and Curtis Mott Davis. I love my father's lineage. But that will never ever do anything good for me in the day of the Lord except the name of Jesus Christ. That's it. I want you to proudly wear the name Christian. Not just from a mental standpoint that you can say, well, uh, uh, Mitch, I already do. You're not telling me anything differently. I'm telling you from the way you live. You see, it is my observation, and I've said it many times, I'll keep saying it until we change as a group from me to every one of us. That we seek and save the lost. That we evangelize the good news to everyone we can. And not be ashamed about it. Not wait for the quote unquote right opportunity. But yes, we use love. We use tact. But man, we fly through and punch through those doors. God gives us those opportunities every day. And when we let people know how awesome our God is. How great the Son of God is. It'll show. 
It'll show the way we speak to people and about people and what we speak to them about. It shows. We'll glorify Him in every single thing. And that's what we're told. You know, when, when we look at these passages like this, and there are many other passages we could have gone through other than 1 Peter chapter 4, we have a lot of exhortation on how to live as a Christian. You know, it's not that hard. There, there doesn't need to be but one sermon, and then you get the point. There is no academics involved when it comes to being a Christian. You simply give your life to Him. And it's going to manifest in morality. It's going to manifest in our worship. It's going to manifest in all kinds of areas. Yes, we can go through and learn and study and show ourselves approved, but what that means, that, that word study, by the way, is not really from an academic study standpoint. That's just the way we use it. It's be diligent to show yourself approved. In other words, we know what God has given us. Now give us our lives to Him. Give your life to Him. Then you'll be able to endure everything. Then you'll be able to glorify Him in everything. It's because you wear His name. And when you wear it proudly, He will show you off before His Father on that wonderful day of judgment because we'll receive that mercy.